King Jesus always begins with the heart. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. When he pronounced a blessing on those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, he touched on the inner condition of our hearts. Those listening were living under the oppressive rule of the Roman Empire. They were persecuted, excessively taxed, and denied their freedom. The servants of God's kingdom desperately needed the heavenly perspective and the hope of an eternal inheritance that Christ presented in the Beatitudes. Those who thirst for righteousness receive the water Jesus offered to the woman at the well. In John 4.14, he said, Those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. This beatitude could be paraphrased as follows. Deeply joyful and spiritually whole are those who actively seek a right relationship with God, and in so doing, will discover that He alone can completely save and satisfy their souls. Well, here we go. Uh, the fourth beatitude. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Before we tackle that, let me just quickly remind you that we're talking about a revolt, the Jesus revolt. It's revolting against the, the world as we know it. It really is a revolution. So, um, some people wonder if it maybe is too strong a word, but I can tell you that it's the difference between light and darkness. This is what the Apostle Paul says. What fellowship does light have with darkness? It, it doesn't. Something has got to be different. Something's got to change. Unfortunately, not everybody who calls himself or herself a Christian is, in fact, truly converted. We sometimes call these people nominal Christians. Nominal means in name only. So we're talking about a whole new way of living. And we're living as Christians by the constitution of the kingdom. We sometimes call it the, uh, we call it the Sermon on the Mount. It's the teachings of Christ that show us, teach us how to live as citizens of the kingdom of God. In 2006, Barack Obama, when he was still a senator, said that Jesus' Sermon on the Mount was so radical that the Defense Department wouldn't survive its application. Absolutely correct. So we know that when it comes to the teachings of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, very, very radical. And again, I beg you to read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's a quick read. But man, it will challenge you. So, Jesus is speaking to Jews, Jews who are under the oppressive rule of the Roman Empire. And here's what the Jews were used to. They were used to this kind of, of oppressive and uh, hateful 
oppression from the Romans. This is, this is something that the Jewish people would have been very familiar with. The, the Romans tried to terrify the lands that they were occupying by putting up these crosses of people that were convicted as, as enemies of the state. These are the people Jesus is speaking to, people who are familiar with this, which makes the Sermon on the Mount all that much more shocking. Jesus is giving this sermon uh, up in the Galilee area, and this was significant because the Galilee area was full of zealots, people who were threatening to oust Rome. The Jewish people listening to Christ were facing a crisis. These Roman rulers were controlling their land, taking their money by exorbitant taxation, raping their women. Jewish priests and local leaders were murdered on a regular basis. This is something that that the Jewish people got used to, sadly, because it was all the time. You would think, wouldn't you, that Jesus would rise up and say, enough is enough. We must put an end to this. But he doesn't. So here are these Jewish people, conflicted. Should I be loyal to God? March, fight against the oppressors? Or should I try to cooperate? How should I live? How do I respond to the evil of the culture? Well, Jesus, in the Sermon of the Mount, very radically says, love your enemies. What? How on earth can I love people who do this to my countrymen? It made very many people angry. In fact, some Bible scholars believe that that is why Jesus was betrayed by Judas. Some people believe that Judas tried to to force the hand of Christ. Judas saw that Jesus was successful, that people were listening to him. In fact, the people wanted to make Jesus their king. They tried to force him to become the king, but Jesus, Jesus knew that that was not God's plan. He had, God had another plan for Christ, and that was to set up his kingdom in the hearts of humans. Now, if you don't understand that, then you won't understand what the Sermon on the Mount is really all about. It's all about God reigning or ruling your heart. So Jesus very radically says, love your enemies. Wow, really? Love love these people? And if that weren't bad enough, Jesus says, if they ask you to walk an extra mile, or ask you to walk a mile, go an extra mile, uh, if they ask you to turn uh, to, 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 to take your outer garment, they give them your inner garment. Jesus is talking about a radical way of living. So the Sermon on the Mount begins with these Beatitudes, these eight Beatitudes. Jesus is saying, I'm going to tell you how you're going to find happiness in this world. And just to remind you how this word blessed means to be happy, to be rich, to be prosperous, to be joyful. But I got to tell you, the Beatitudes are not a to-do list. And some of you ambitious and eager Christians, you were thinking, well, I got I to create 
my to-do list, and I gotta put all these beatitudes on the to-do list so that I can start doing these things. Well, no, you can't do it. Uh, it's, it's not something you can do in your own strength. You need the power of the Holy Spirit at work in you. Again, this is why you have to be converted. It's why you need to be born again. You need to be sure that you're born from above, that you've experienced that repentance and that new faith in Jesus Christ. It's like the, the fruit of the Spirit. You can't say, well, now I'm going to be loving, and I'm going to work on, on being joyful, and I'm going to work on being kind, I'm going to work on being gentle and self-controlled. You can't. You can't do it on your own. You need the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. It's the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of you. Or it's not the fruit of Alan Duncalf. It's the fruit of the Spirit dwelling in Alan Duncalf. It's important to understand that. So that's how it is with the Beatitudes. It's really a, a, a cooperation with the Holy Spirit. We're, gonna, we're going to say, God, okay, I'm going to believe you by faith. I'm going to move off of this level, and I'm going to move to this new level. I'm not going to dwell uh, or function as the world functions. I am in the world, but I'm not of the world, so therefore I move to this this new realm, the, the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of this world. It's interesting that Paul describes what happens when we're, con we're converted. We are translated from this world into a brand new world. Translated means being trans, trans, uh, um, transported, if you will. We're literally taken out of this spiritual world and we are put into a brand new world. Think of yourself like that. You are part of a brand new world, and God has put you in his world. In Hebrews chapter 11, the, the great men and women of faith, they understood that this world was not their home. They were looking for an eternal city. You and I need to start thinking like that, especially now as we see that the times are perilous and the days are dark. We're not like the world. We're different. We dwell on a whole different plane, and we function on that plane. Last week we said that we uh, are to be meek or humble, that we function from a position of humility, and that is how we win. That is how we're successful. This is how we fulfill the will of God. Well, today what we're talking about is, is being hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Jesus says that those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness will be satisfied. So let's take a look at that fourth beatitude. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. You'll notice that it also says God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. Righteousness and justice are uh, interchangeable, perfectly fine translation. It totally makes sense, and you'll see more about what I mean by that in just a moment. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been hungry or thirsty? I was talking to my dad the other day, and uh, he was telling me about what it was like for his brothers when, when they were growing up. His brothers were a fair bit older. My dad was at the, at the sort of the second family, as it were, because uh, he was the second last child. But he remembers hearing about how his brothers would have literally have to eat porridge for breakfast, for lunch, and for supper. That was all there was, just oatmeal. 
And uh, I heard someone say that they would never eat oatmeal because that's for horses and uh, pigs. But there was a time when that was all there was to eat, especially during the Depression. That's what, that's what hunger is. You'll, you'll eat the same thing over and again, over again. You'll do anything. I remember talking to an older Ukrainian woman. Uh, she was talking about what it was like for her and her family during the Depression. And it was the same thing. All they had to eat was oatmeal. And the, what her mother would do was add some fat to the oatmeal to help make it uh, more filling. I mean, I, I don't understand that kind of hunger. I've never had that. I have, however, experienced severe thirst. Some of you know that one of the things that the Duncalfs used to love to do was go to Banff every year. It was, uh, it was sometimes twice and sometimes even three times a year. We loved to go hiking. One of these hikes uh, found me uh, climbing a mountain with no water. I don't know how it happened, but it was one of those fluky things. I'd hiked, but I didn't have water. And I honestly wondered if I was going to make it. I felt like passing out. And I finally did uh, return to base, and uh, I began to drink water. And I drank so much water that I instantly became sick. I felt nauseous. I felt dizzy. I felt like I was going to black out. I honestly thought I was going to die. So I understood uh, clearly what, what it is to be thirsty and to be so thirsty that you drink and almost die. Do you know what thirst is all about? Do you know what hunger is all about? Well, we've discussed it a little bit here, and we have a pretty good idea. But what about to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness or for justice? Because that's what Jesus is talking about here. Having such, such, such a, a longing, a desire to be totally filled and satisfied. Not having to think about it, but dwelling in the reality of it. This, this sense of being totally satisfied. Well, that's what Jesus is talking about. Righteousness means a life that's, that's in conformity to God. Does your life conform to the will of God? Because that is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. When you became a Christian, you took on the righteousness of Christ. You were declared just. You were declared holy by Almighty God through Christ. And God began a work of sanctifying you, making you like Jesus, conforming you to the image of Christ. While we're on this earth, before we go to heaven, we are, all of us, in the process of being conformed, of being transformed, made like Jesus. Jesus, as you know, was perfect. He was the righteous one, the holy one, the just one. The thing that you find about Jesus is that he, he's constantly describing himself as somebody who only does the will of his Father. You really see it in the Gospel of John, don't we? I only do what I see the Father doing. I only do the will of, of the Father. Jesus says he never does his will. He only does what the Father wants him to do. In fact, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This is what righteousness is. Righteousness is being like God and doing what God would do, or as we would say, doing the will of the Father. 
Now, this is why Jesus teaches us further on in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, we find the Lord's Prayer. And what does Jesus teach his disciples to pray? He teaches his disciples to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. It's that petition in the Lord's Prayer that shaped the third habit of Cross Church, the third habit uh, which we teach everybody, everybody who wants to follow Christ. What is that third habit? We call it moment-by-moment holiness. Now, a lot of people don't know what holiness is. They've got, they've got their own ideas. But I'm going to tell you the, a biblical, a really good biblical definition of holiness. Holiness is doing the will of the Father every time. We all are making decisions on a regular basis, but I'm going to tell you that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then you are concerned about living a holy life. You are concerned about being like Jesus. Again, it's in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not in your own power. And so you're asking God. You're, you're seeking God's will. You're seeking to know what God wants. You're seeking God's uh, strength and ability to live out God's will. This is, we, we call it righteousness. You can call it holiness. But understand that righteousness, holiness, is doing the will of God every time. And this, my friends, is what Jesus came to this earth to teach us. A lot of us think that Jesus only came to this earth to die for us. But in fact, he came to live for us. He shows us how to live. He shows us what it means to honor God, to glorify God. And you've heard me say that many times, that that's, that's the reason we live. In fact, as soon as we get through the Beatitudes, Jesus points that out to us. He says, he says the, uh, that our job is to be salt and light in this world, that we, we cause people around us to glorify our Father in heaven. It's a beautiful picture. Again, it's all in the Sermon on the Mount. So you and I, this, this desire, this longer Longing for, uh, for, for righteousness, this hungering, this thirstiness for, uh, for, for righteousness will be satisfied if your desire, if your longing is to, is to honor the Lord. So here's the thing. If you and I are going to truly glorify the Lord, if we're, if we're going to live this this righteous life. It means that you and I are not going to drift through life aimlessly. It means that you and I are not going to get caught up in the things of this world. And, and unfortunately, that describes most Christians today. We are, we are literally caught up in temporal things, things that are going to pass away, things that don't have eternal value. But if you're hungering and thirsting after righteousness, you're not hungering and thirsting after the things of this world. You're hungering and thirsting after God who is not of this world. You see that? You're not on this level. You're at this level. You're hungering and thirsting after things that the world does not hunger and thirst after. No wonder James tells us that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Because you and I 
We want the things of God. And if you're a Christian, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That is your longing, your desire is to please God, to do his will. We understand that, that that's what we were created for. We were created to do the will of God. So Jesus teaches us to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is what true righteousness is. It's our longing, it's our desire, it's our hunger and our thirst to do the will of God. Is that how you could be described? Could you be described that way? Jesus lived his whole life like that right to the end. You remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, God, if it's possible for me not to go through this death, this crucifixion, I would prefer that. But then he said, Father, not my will, but thine be done. That, my friends, is what real righteousness is. You want to do the will of the Father every time. Not once in a while, not sometimes, but you want, to, you want your whole life to be devoted to this kind of a righteousness, a righteousness that fulfills God's will. Now, how do we know the will of God? Well, you have to know the word of God. And that's why I'm telling you, you have to know Matthew 5, 6, and 7, because there is the will of God revealed to all who are hungering and thirsting after righteousness. God's word teaches us. Jesus is, in fact, a revelation of the mind of God. That's how you know what pleases God. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, well, they indeed shall be satisfied. Well, let's talk about this blessing that comes to us of being satisfied. The Greek word, the, the root of the Greek word, kortazo, uh, means to satisfy. In the KGV, the King James Version, it translates as to fill. Another way to say it is to satisfy or to, to, desire, to satisfy the desires of, to fatten up or to fill with food. You get the point. Once, you, once you're, you're hungering and thirsting after righteousness, God is going to fill you up to overflowing. He's going to satisfy you, fill you, so that you'll have no longing for anything else. Your desire will be for nothing else. Every human on this planet seeks to be satisfied, to be filled, to be content. And we look for it in so many different ways. We, we look for meaning and for significance. Uh, we were created in the image of God. We're not mere animals. Some would say that we are like animals, but in fact, we're not. In fact, we're so precious to God that he sent his son to redeem us and to save us. So if you are going to be satisfied then you need to understand you were created in the image of God and only God can fulfill or satisfy that longing in your heart, that desire in your heart. We want to be significant. All of us knows that. We want to have a great education. We want, I mean, I, just recently there was a big scandal in the, in the United States 
various actors and celebrities were paying to have their kids entered into various uh, prestigious universities. They, they believed that if their, if their children were in these prestigious universities, then, then they could do something significant, then they would be a somebody, it would be something. They would want them to get master's degrees and doctor's degrees, and not just in any university, but the prestigious ones, hopefully the Ivy League universities. They want their kids to be top of the class. They want their kids to live in the right zip code or the right area code. And they want to make sure their kids are driving the right kind of car. And they want to make sure their kids have the right kind of career. They want to make sure that these kids are making lots of money and that they are not just famous themselves, but they hang out with other famous people because they're looking for significance. And the fact of the matter is, and we all know it if we're honest, it, it's emptiness. It's, it, it doesn't amount to anything. And it's nice to have a nice degree. It's nice to go to a nice university. But at the end of the day, it doesn't satisfy the longings of our heart. So how is our heart satisfied? How do we satisfy that longing and that desire in our heart? Well, only God can do that. It's interesting, isn't it? There's many people who are not Christians that would say that Jesus was the greatest man who ever lived. Unless you're Muslim, of course, or Jewish. But many would, would argue Jesus was the greatest man who ever lived. And yet, look at that, he never wrote a book. Never went to university. Never, he didn't have a, a nice home to live in. Um, some would argue that he had extremely wealthy clothes. I would, I would absolutely refute that. That's nonsense. Jesus said, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Interesting, isn't it? How can we be satisfied? Well, Jesus shows us. In John chapter 4, Jesus has been preaching and teaching and doing ministry, and he sends his disciples to go get some food and some drink because he's hungry and he's thirsty. While they're gone, Jesus meets a Samaritan woman. Now, Samaritans were despised by the Jews. Uh, the Jewish people were very, very racist towards the Samaritans. But here's Jesus. He decides he's going to speak to her. And not only does he speak to her, but he reveals what's in her heart. He reveals to her that she is, in fact, a sinner. And Jesus tells her exactly what kind of sin she's committing and how often with whom. It's amazing. When the disciples return with the food and the drink, they find Jesus has just finished witnessing, speaking to this woman at the well, telling her how she can be satisfied. Hey, those who thirst for righteousness will receive the water that Jesus offered to the woman at the well. Here's what Jesus says. But those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. The things of this world, my friend, are never, ever going to satisfy you. I don't care what kind of a job or career or promotion you get. It will not satisfy you. And after, after you retire, you'll be forgotten almost instantly. What brings satisfaction 
is that we are satisfied in Christ. Those who drink the water I give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Well, that's what this woman at the well discovered. It filled her heart with joy because her hunger and her thirst was for righteousness, but she had no idea how to satisfy that longing in her heart. And maybe some of you listening to me right now, you wonder, why am I never happy? Why am I never content? Why am I so unhappy and unsatisfied? Well, I'll tell you why. Because you're not pursuing Christ. Remember what Jesus says later on in the next chapter, Matthew 6. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, what your food, your clothing, uh, everything, your shelter, it's all going to be provided for you. But you've got to seek first the kingdom of God. This is why I said at the beginning, the Beatitudes are not a checklist. It's not a to-do list. Your, your longing, your goal can be defined in just this one verse. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek God. Put him first. Make that your, your everything. Hunger and thirst for him alone. And then you will be satisfied. God will provide for you everything that you need. You'll notice, many of you will notice, that whenever I sign a card, I'm always writing Matthew 6, 33. And since this COVID-19 thing, I've included verse 34. You can look that up yourself. I'm not going to tell you what it is. But this, is, this has been my life first. This is how I've lived my life. It's how Gloria has lived her life. It's how our whole family tries to live. Seeking first the kingdom of God. So Jesus is saying, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, Jesus says, I can fill you. Follow me. Do what I say. This is why Jesus Christ has got to be central to our faith. We can't leave him out. We leave Christ out. We don't have a gospel. We have nothing. Why? Because Jesus is the revelation of the heart and the mind of God. Jesus shows us what the Father wants. And so we see this beautiful picture of Jesus, our Lord Jesus, speaking to the Samaritan woman and giving her the living water, a drink of water that will guarantee that she will never be unsatisfied or discontent ever again. Wow. But it gets even better. Not only is the Samaritan woman satisfied, but Jesus himself is satisfied as well. It's cool how this works. The disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food that you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. But here's what Jesus says. He says, then Jesus explained, my food comes from doing the will of God. My food and drink comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Folks, this is righteousness, doing the will of God every time. When you're doing the will of God, when, when that is your, your main concern, that's, my friends, when you, is when you begin to experience joy. Seek first the kingdom of God, look at this, and his righteousness. Again, some people translate it, and his justice. But at the end of the day, you and I understand that Jesus Christ, and Christ alone 
is able to satisfy the longings of your heart. You're longing for more money. You're longing for a better career. You're longing for a better relationship with your children. You're longing for, for a better car, better house, better this, better that. Jesus would say to you, stop looking in the wrong places. Look to the Father. Seek to do his will and everything's going to fall into place. It's a beautiful picture. Everyone else is trying to find significance in so many different places, and it is so exhausting. That's why Jesus says, come to me, I'm humble. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Start doing things my way. Jesus, follow me. Be yoked to me, and I will show you how to be satisfied, how to be peaceful, how to be at rest. You know, when I started in the ministry, in the ministry, I had nothing, I had absolutely nothing. I came out of Bible school, my debts were paid, I had no car, I had nothing. And God, in his mysterious ways, began to provide for me. And I was utterly content. While other guys were driving Mustangs, I got myself a, 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 a five-door Citation. It was a gray, a gray GM, four doors and the hatchback. That was the fifth door. And the reason I got it was so that I could pile as many kids into the car as possible because I was a youth pastor. I felt I was the richest man around. I didn't care about what kind of a car I drove. And I'm kind of embarrassed to admit that I drove a Citation. But... I did. And I was content and happy. Why? Because my food came from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. This is righteousness and this is the most satisfying thing in the world. Gloria and I were in Greece. We got married. We went to Greece. We had absolutely nothing. But you never found two happier people. We had each other and more importantly, we had God and we were doing his will. Wow. Then we started in Weston, in this community. We've been here for 26 years. Started with absolutely nothing. But we were content because we knew we were exactly where God wanted us to be. My food comes from doing the will of God. This is what satisfied us. Hey, folks, listen. Righteousness is doing God's will every time. And this alone will bring you contentment. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your strength. We thank you for your wisdom. And we recognize today, God, that the thing, the only thing that will bring us contentment in this life, that will satisfy us and fill our hearts and our minds with joy and peace is doing your will. And your will Doing your will is what true righteousness and justice is. And wherever God's people go, they bring justice and righteousness with them. So God, give us the grace, give us the strength in the power of the Holy Spirit to live in obedience to Christ, following in his footsteps. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.